The following is a live broadcast of a Lone Star Community Radio program. Recorded and broadcasted live on IRLoneStar.com, Connors FM 104.5, 106.1, and Facebook.com slash IRLoneStar. For more information on this show, please visit our show page at IRLoneStar.com slash shows. To sponsor or donate to this program, visit our donate page at IRLoneStar.com slash donate. Or email us at lscrstudios at gmail.com or give us a call at 936-666-1084. Lone Star Community Radio production and broadcast is possible by folks like you. So sponsor and donate today. You're listening to Lone Star Community Radio on 104.5 KCZW LP Conroe and 106.1 KZCCLP Conroe and worldwide on IRLoneStar.com. Friday, 1 to 2 p.m. And, um, you know, every Friday is a little different. And sometimes um, we are very adaptable. So that's one of the things we do in extension. We adapt and we meet the needs of Texans wherever they are and whatever they uh, have and they need to do. So um, this extension hour is a little different because we are doing it by Zoom. So one of the reasons why it looks a little, little, little different here today, but I'm really excited about what we have here to talk about today. Um, so in extension, um, we have a group that's called Coming Together for Racial Understanding, and it's all about helping um, facilitate conversations, difficult conversations. So we're going to have some probably difficult conversations uh, today. And so I'm kind of rambling. I want to talk a little more. I want to introduce my guest to start with. So we have Dr. Sanja Davis, who has actually been on the show before. She is my cohort in um, Harris County. So Sanja, you want to say hello and introduce yourself? Hi, I am Sanja Davis, County Extension Agent, Family Community Health in Harris County. And I am very passionate about health and wellness, so my career suits me well. <laughs> yes. And so, Sanjay, you've worked for Texas A&M AgriLife Extension for 15 years, somewhere around No, there? actually, I've been with uh, Texas A&M AgriLife Extension for about almost 12 years. Mm-hmm. And previously, I was with Prairie View a and University's Corporate Extension Program for 12 years. So a lot of years in, in extension. Yeah. So Prairie View Cooperative Extension, we have with us Don Burton, who is a health specialist with Prairie View A&M. So Don, would you introduce yourself? And then we're going to come back around, and I want you to tell us a little bit more about Prairie View after we introduce Craig. Absolutely. Good. Good. Hello, everyone. My name is Don Burton, and I am the health specialist for Cooperative Extension, which is Prairie View's extension program. And I'm so excited to be here. We are glad you are here as well. And Dr. Craig Rotter is with us, and he is the program director for Texas Rural Leadership Program. And I might have said that wrong, Craig, so you can correct me. That's fine. Titles don't matter to me, especially on a Friday, Amy. <laughs> yeah. And and so it's fantastic to be here today. I am with Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service with our Texas Rural Leadership Program. We are the human capacity builders when it comes to looking at rural communities and counties and working with folks to, to step up their game and, and building a better future 
uh, through creating positive change. And so it's great to be a part of this initiative, but it's also outstanding on this Friday to be with you today uh, and, and our colleagues as we are uh, here to talk about what we're doing with our uh, current work group. Yeah, so on the extension hour, we've talked often about how there there's a lot of things in extension that people have no idea. Um, well, so in some cases, just like have no idea that extension exists, or they only know kind of that little part that they participate in, which, you know, usually for them is a pretty big part. But they, um, you know, they, oh, that's the, you know, the, the people that the gardening stuff or, oh, the 4-H program. But they're like so much more to extension. And I think the Texas Rural Leadership Program is one of those ones that people don't even know that we have. So, hey, Craig, at some point we should do a show just about the Texas Rural Leadership Program. That would be fantastic. Yeah. So what we're talking about today, though, is our coming together for racial understanding group. Um, so an interesting thing about Extension, we have a, we call them kind of a sister organization, Prairie View Cooperative Extension Program, which um, Dawn currently works for, Sanja had worked for um, in the past, but they're, um, you know, sister organizations. But so before we get too much further into the conversation, Dawn, tell us a little bit about Prairie View. So Prairie View is a historically black university and it is a land grant institution just like uh, Texas A&M. And so we are federally funded to do outreach in the community. And so that's the, the group of the organization uh, of cooperative extension. And so we are we have four main entities. Uh, it's family and community health. It is 4-H and youth development, ag and natural resources, and uh, 4-H, 4-H youth development, did I say all four? Going too fast. <laughs> community, community we, and economic development. Community and, thank you. Community and economic development. It is a Friday. It's a team <laughs> effort here. Team effort. I love my team. I love my team. And so uh, we we work with the communities who are underprivileged or uh, who need who need a lot of assistance for whatever reason, and we meet them where their needs are, and we provide resources, informal education to to them. Uh, we typically go in the we are in the communities, and so we try and partner with existing organizations and churches and and provide the the information and so the, the the core of what you what you do at prairie view cooperative extension is same as the core of what we do with texas a&m agri-life extension is is helping texans better their lives it's it's all about that and we just um do that in in similar ways um there are kind of a little bit different um, in terms of uh, the audiences that we're working towards and and that kind of thing but but really it's it's research-based education, helping Texans better their lives. Sanjay, did you want to add anything to that based on your experience and the, the similarities and differences between the two? Well, I think when Don mentioned partners, um, I, I was like to say in Harris County, we, we attempt to partner whenever we can on different programs and opportunities. So we are, we're, we're sister agencies and also partners at the same time. Exactly. Okay, so coming together for racial understanding. Let's do just a little bit of background about that. Sanja and uh, Don, you both were involved in the um, initial effort that was a nationwide effort to um, address this, correct? Yes, yes. Uh, we were a team of, of four, or, or three plus one, uh, Dr. Carolyn Williams, who is the executive associate director of the cooperative extension program at Prairie View is a part of the national extension 
organization. And they had the foresight in 2016 to know that these social uh, injustice issues that are going on, is some, they are something that Cooperative Extension has the capability to address. Uh, because we as Cooperative Extension agencies have always taken the lead in addressing the difficult uh, issues and being the, the trusted resource that the community can rely on. And so they did an entire process and, and chat and uh, tart, they, <laughs> they charged a task force to study the issue and determine, you know, what was the true ability and could we really handle this major issue and topic. And the task force came back with a resounding yes. And so from there, the effort was put in place. Um, experts within Extension and outside of Extension were, were brought together to develop curriculum and training materials. And then we were lucky enough to be uh, volunteered and, and voluntold and enjoy the process of, of going through the training back in 2018. And the, so, and then the training is really to help facilitate community conversations around race. And yes. um, several of us, uh, so you guys uh, participated at the national level and then we, um, Texas Extension chose to implement one here in Texas. And so there's a cohort of agents and specialists across the state who uh, participated in that, that training. So we're ready, willing, able, equipped to uh, start uh, facilitating facilitating conversations. Um, so, but before we we're gonna do, and we're gonna have a little bit of a maybe an uncomfortable, difficult conversation um, as we talk today. But um, so, Craig, let's start with you and tell me a little bit about like what is your interest in? You know, how did you get involved in this group? Yeah, thank you. Uh, for me, uh, the interest came before I actually uh, came into uh, being employed by Texas A and M AgriLife Extension Service. I spent 17 years in student affairs at Texas A&M University in housing. And so we, uh, we had a very uh, intimate uh, knowledge of our student population and the issues that happened after their classroom hours uh, in our residence halls and, and around in the community. And so uh, we were always at a heightened level of sensitivity in, in caring for our students and who they are as individuals. And, and that social justice undertone and, and the foundational piece is always, uh, been at my heart uh, in my uh, professional life, uh, especially working there. And I brought that over uh, to my work in working with Texas A&M uh, AgriLife Extension Services, Texas Rural Leadership Program. So the interest was there beforehand, but knowing that we're not where we could be uh, in Texas and, and in our society and in, in this country, and then in particular, what we've witnessed this year, as so many issues have been brought to the, the forefront uh, in, in our news cycles and in life, um, you know, what we're doing is, is needed and necessary uh, if we're going to really fulfill our promise. And, uh, and so for me personally, uh, it's part of who I am and it's a part of what we do through TRLP and uh, it just makes good sense. Yeah, thanks for sharing. So Don, tell us a little bit, you know, obviously you were part of that national group, but um, you know, what made you want to continue that? Uh, it, you know, it just to live some of the experiences that people are learning about, as well as to want to change for my children, um, is really what what motivates me and, and drives me. Because uh, it was so interesting. Because when Tiana, short story, Tiana, 
the Disney princess when it came out, I was so excited. The first black princess. Oh my goodness. Wonderful. And my children grew up with it. So it was normal to them. So they didn't have the same amount of excitement that I had. And so of course, as they got older, they were ready to, to um, redecorate their room and throw all of that out. And I was like, no, this is precious. This is special. And, and they were like, mom, you know, you're, this is clutter, get rid of it. And it wasn't until the George Floyd situation that we started talking about that. And she said, you know, I just, I didn't get it. I didn't understand. I, I was a kid and, and I, um, you know, I grew up, it was, it was a part of my childhood. So she didn't have that, that reference point that I did where it didn't, did not exist. Right. And so now her perspective is different and she, she wishes that she would have kept maybe the blanket or the sheets or something, but it's just, um, it's knowing that the world could be a better place for my children. And so that that continuously pushes me to, to make sure that I do my part to make the change happen as much as possible. Right. And Sanja, how about, how about you? You wanna share a little bit? I think being at that training, it was, it was a week long. We were there for a whole weekend. The days were long. We would go to eight, nine o'clock at night, and then you get to your room and just hearing individuals share stories. You couldn't sleep. So I think just it just having the experience of other people's pain, I just never would want individuals to have their pain. And and the things that we've seen this year with Breonna Taylor and George Floyd, I think they're just conversations that we need to have. Um, when you when you don't know people, you don't know their backgrounds. It, it makes a difference. So it's just about having those conversations. And I felt when I attended the training, I actually felt guilty. I felt guilty that I never had those experiences that other people in, in the other states had. And I'll never forget, if you don't mind, I tell this story. Um, there was a gentleman, I can't remember. I think he was from South Carolina or Mississippi, but he shared the story and stayed with me about he worked he worked on campus and a white coworker, she couldn't understand by every why every time he passed by her, he would put his head down. And just having a conversation at that meeting, she he shared with her that he had always been taught to never look a white lady in her in her face. And so it's it's these barriers, these um these things that we've grown up with, never had a conversation about. It's just time to start, you know, dismantling those barriers and just having open conversations so that the next the next generation will be better. Yeah. And so that's actually a very nice segue into what we wanted to talk about. So, um, you know, difficult conversations, uncomfortable conversations, just conversations, um, and particularly around um, race and and in between or you know interracial um, conversations can uh, be interesting and different and um, sometimes we can cause pain without even really intending to do that so kind of what we wanted to focus on um, you know in our time together today on this extension hour show is um, called flip the script so there is um, a lot of research out about um, the words we use and how they um, affect other people. And so this is um, particularly with uh, Flip the Script, uh, race and ethnicity. And um, we're using as a guide a handout that was put out by catalyst.org. But um, it, it just kind of goes through some phrases that we say um, to people, to each other, and um, kind of how that could impact people that maybe we don't um, realize to begin with. And I will say this, you know, from perspective 
of, of a white person. So sometimes conversations um, that I have with people of a different color or race, um, it doesn't, it may not resonate with me. Um, and I can tell you, so just personally too, um, progress that I've made throughout the years um, has helped me see things differently. So kind of changed my perspective on things. And um, so just the, the kind of conversations that we we have and sometimes the things we say, and I, th I think back sometimes of things that I have said and now regret saying that because I didn't realize the impact that those kinds of things could have had as I um, as I said those because a lot of the things that that we say sometimes um, you know we think is polite like so just for instance we'll start with the, the first one we want to talk about is um, a lot of people will say well, well we don't see people of color we don't notice people's colors I'm, I'm colorblind that's a a um, phrase that's used a lot which you know from from one perspective sounds like that's I'm being very polite, right? That's we should be colorblind, and I've seen some uh, information, some research that suggests that maybe that comes from um, the speech from Martin Luther King, where he says that people are not judged by the color of their skin, but the content of their character. Um, but really, and that, I mean that's that's understandable. But but really, when you don't see color, okay. So, um, Craig, have you ever? said that to anybody? I'm going to put you on the spot. I, I've said that before. Um, and so I will admit to that. And now I realize that uh, maybe that wasn't the, the best thing to do. So um, I'm going to ask Craig, and then I'm going to ask um, Sanja and Don about if you've ever heard that and how you felt about that. Craig, you want yeah. to share? Yeah, your question was, have I ever said it? That I I, I don't know, but I have certainly heard it enough in, in any circle I've been in uh, and, uh, you know, the, the wrestling, uh, and again, as a, as a white male uh, in Texas, is, uh, is to be conscious of, of where you're sitting in uh, what you're expressing uh, in any, to anybody that you're having a conversation with and, and being yourself. And uh, there are some ouch moments uh, in, in our awareness. I've gone through that. Uh, maybe not particularly with this line, but at times where I've, I've said something and then I thought for a second, I thought that didn't quite come out right or didn't quite come out how I, I was trying to express myself and, and being open and comfortable with that. Uh, but for this particular statement uh, to, to say that you don't see it, you know, in, in my evolution, uh, again, as a white male in Texas and from a rural community, a very small place uh, to not see people's color uh, is strange. Uh, and not acknowledging, you know, what you see, because what you see is what is there uh, in terms of skin tone uh, is, is an interesting thing. And so um, getting to the deeper part of that may take longer than the moment you have with a person. Right. Uh, and, and yet wrestling with, with some of your own experiences and wrestling with some of the things you've witnessed, uh, again, in, in my case, as, as a white male coming from a small town, uh, is, is what we should be doing every day. Uh, and wrestling with our own thoughts uh, and how we've been programmed and, and what we've uh, been culturally uh, been programmed to see as, as acceptable. Uh, and at times, most definitely still fall victim to some of our, some behaviors that, that we don't like in ourselves. Right. So Sanja, when I say to you, I don't see color, what does that say to you? I don't think I've ever heard the statement made to me, mm -hmm. but I think if, if a person says that, I mean, you're just being dishonest. How can you not? When you use a crayon box, you 
you select the color you want. So for a person to say that they don't see color, I just think that's a untrue statement. And for you, Amy, when you know better, you do better. So don't, you know, don't beat yourself up about that. We're all growing. Yeah. So how about you, you Don? Do you have some thoughts on Yes, I was in a I was in a training and it was a training on differences, not specifically race uh, and ethnicity, but just differences in general. And it came up and the, the it, there was a white lady who said exactly that. Well, I grew up not seeing I, my parents taught me not to see color. And, and I was so triggered because it's like everything in life is based in race. Right. When you fill out an application, you have to identify your race. Uh, when you when they give the news reports, they say, oh, well, the black person did this or, uh, you know, I mean, it, race is so prevalent in, in all levels of life. And then to see me and see that I am clearly black and then to say you don't see color, it's like, well, how does that work? That, that's a little difficult. And so it was it was challenging and honest to uh, the power of conversations. We had dialogue and talked about it. And, and she understood and she never thought of it that way. And I wasn't offended uh, from the standpoint of, I don't think she had malice behind what she said, but I, I heard her level of not knowing and, and, and got triggered because it, 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 is a, it, it is offensive, you know, because like I said, everything in life in some way, shape or form goes back to race. And so for you to, to make that statement, it just, it, it's, it's difficult, but I'm happy that we were able to have the conversation and you could see the light bulb moment We're like, oh, you're right. I'm so, you know, and so it was, it was fine. And like Sonia said, when you know better, you do better. And so I listen, I hear things like that, but I, I listen for the, um, I listen for the malice. And so it's, it's not, a, it's typically not a, it's offensive, but it's not a big problem if there's no malice. Right, right. But when there's malice involved, and that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> exactly. And, and you know, I think by and far, most people who say that, like I said, really intend it to be a, a polite statement. Um, but the research actually shows that the impact of that, you know, when you ignore differences, you stifle trust, um, you, sti you uh, cut off that authentic conversation or that communication that can happen. And then your ability to connect with someone who is different from the same, uh, different from you, it, it makes it much more difficult to, to do that. So um, just either if, if we're the one that are, is saying that or the one that is hearing that, um, have just being open to the conversation and, and, and where it can go from there is, um, is very helpful. So I'll, I'll share just a, um, a little story about um, the, the crayon box that you mentioned, Sanja, made me think of this. So family that I'm very close to, love very much, was visiting, and um, the, the little girl's in um, kindergarten, and she was asked to draw a picture of her family, and I was very honored that she wanted me to be part of her family. So she's, uh, you know, got her crayons out, and... She just gets, this, she's kindergarten, first grade, so probably about six years old, gets this kind of puzzled look on her face, and she looks at me, and she looks at her paper, and looks at her crayons, and then she says, what color are you? So I said, mm, what color do you think I am? She thought for a second, and then she said, pink. I'm going to use pink. <laughs> okay, let's use pink. But instead of saying, oh, no, 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 we're all the same color, we don't see color, let's, let's, let's talk about our differences. Because um, the research says that it's not racist to see a person's race or ethnicity. 
So somehow we've gotten the idea that it is, you know, seeing color is rude and then that that is racist, but it's really kind of the opposite that you acknowledge and you honor um, the race and the experience of people that are different from you. Amy. Yes. I want to go back to Don. So Don said she was triggered, but she didn't allow it to, you know, her response wasn't negative because we also have to remember our responses can also shut down the conversation. Mm. I think that's important. So, um, you know, it's important to have conversations, but we have to make sure that we don't react in a way that, you know, shuts it down also. Right. So, so what can I say instead? What do, what do we do instead? What are some well, Don, 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 in her example, you know, she had a conversation. She, you know, shared her experiences with the lady so that, you know, she knew where, you know, why she felt that way. And uh, I think that's important that um, just to be, you know, just to be honest, you know, there's the stigma with the black, the angry black woman. <laughs> so I think sometimes people, sometimes they may be afraid to say things to us or um, because they don't know, they feel like they don't know the response that we're going to get. But, you know, that's not every, that's not every black woman. That's, you know, stereotyping. So, you know, we keep, we keep using the word authentic. If we are like um, authentic in our responses, then people know where we're coming from. It's not a place of hate or to get back at you, but just clearly trying to open conversations and have those discussions. Why we feel that way, why they felt that way. And that's the only way that we're going to move forward. Yeah. And, and to, to, uh, to your question, Amy, you know, there's not a standard answer for all of the, the difficult questions. You know, and, and some of the catchphrases or some of the statements that are offensive, there's not a, a, a standard reply that will work in every situation. Because just like I was triggered, but was able to stay calm and, and talk her through that, someone else could have been seriously triggered and completely gone left and been the total black, uh, angry black woman. And, you know, and reinforce the stereotype and, and seriously and authentically reinforce the, the stereotype. So I think it's important to realize that it is a difficult conversation. And as much as it's a difficult conversation, know that it's okay to make mistakes, but be willing to hear that you made a mistake. I think the, the problem is when you make a mistake and someone tries to point it out and say, well, you know, maybe that's not the right way to think about that. And as opposed to being defensive or shutting down, being open and receptive to hearing what they're saying and then allowing the conversation to move forward in that way. Exactly. Yes. And Craig, is there anything you would like to add to this? Yeah, I, I like the words that you used in terms of authentic communication. I also look at that from the standpoint of having authentic relationships uh, in work and, and, you know, and anywhere really that, that we're uh, working and, and, and communicating and, and building time with, with other people. But for me, I think with this one in particular and thinking through this, uh, it, it's really looking to see whether people can truly be themselves. And, and again, those, the, what I said earlier, the, the ouch moments and, and those moments where you said something wrong, if you have an authentic and, and solid relationship, you can learn. I think the, the, the greater issue is when people continue the behaviors uh, and, and or, or just flat aren't aware. You know, there's, I, I don't like using the word ignorance because of its negative connotivity. I prefer to use the word naive and that sometimes folks just haven't had the experiences enough and, and what Don said in terms of whether there was malice in the intent, uh, to me, is, is a deeper piece uh, because there's a lot of innocence 
and our behaviors of not knowing. And, um, and it's once you are aware that consciousness, once you are, uh, the hope would be that people wouldn't be doing that anymore and, and possibly even not necessarily correcting, but at least finding ways to navigate uh, teaching uh, other folks that there's a better way. So intent and impact, we used to call it intent versus impact, that somebody's intent may not totally come out, and, but the impact may be greater than they could have ever imagined, positive or negative, in this case, negative. So I like to say intent and impact. Uh, in thinking through that, that the person's intent, if we can really examine that, uh, perhaps uh, they will have a better sense of, of what kind of impact they had, especially when it's not the reaction they thought or just had literally no clue. Yes. Okay, so kind of related to this, so we're talking about seeing color and genuine um, conversations. Um, and Sanjay, you mentioned um, sometimes reactions in certain ways that could make someone, um, you know, could reinforce a stereotype. Um, so another thing that is said to people sometimes is, you are so articulate, which sounds like a compliment, right? You are so articulate. But what does that really say to someone, particularly if it's someone um, of a different color or someone that you might have a particular stereotype about uh, or stereo I, stereotype idea about them? Well, I, I would probably say, well, what do you mean by that? <laughs> but it's, it's almost implying that they had lower expectations or, you know, because of my race that I could not speak or form a complete sentence. So it's insulting. It's, it's definitely insulting. Don, you want to share anything related to that? Uh, Sonia covered it well um, because it, you know, there there are those those caveats that it's like, well, well, thank you, but what, why, you know, why wouldn't I be articulate? And what did you expect? What did what did you expect? Or you look you look nice today today. <laughs> Do I not typically look nice. I mean, what? It's a good day. What are you trying to? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So the research um, with that says, you know, it does reinforce a stereotype um, that people of color or ethnic minority, minorities are less than competent um, than, say, their white counterparts and that they those that are successful are like an exception to the rule. Craig, what did you want to add to that? Yeah, I was going to say uh, it's, it's also, um, again, educating ourselves and, and, you know, instead of using the they and the and really approaching the we. And, and who we are in particular in our whiteness and, and being white folks uh, and, and again, not living the experiences of other folks and maybe again, not having a clue uh, as to what, again, what we were trying to say versus what and what we meant versus what we actually said in the, you know, that moment of, oh my God, did you just say that? Or, or really in, in that moment and that pause. Uh, but the, stereo, the the point with this one or saying you're so articulate, or you said that so well, or wow, what you wrote was so good. Uh, you know, it's it's that second layer within that uh, language uh, and the stereotypes and the stereotyping that goes into that. That you know, again, like Don said, what would you expect? Would you not expect this from me as your colleague or as somebody you know? And and that pause uh, and in that moment is is so critical. And when these things happen again, what's our relationship after the fact? Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, can we recover from that moment of that ouch, or, or is it so deep and so painful that you know, in the embarrassment uh, of being caught in, in a moment that you had no clue as again as a white person and, and owning that, I think is is fascinating. 
but uh, it's where we go together from that point forward that I think proves uh, our authenticity and who we are. Right. So, so what can we do instead? Reframe your language. Pause and, and think about it, and ask yourself. Okay, if I, you know, literally stop for a second and say, you know, if, if I'm going to say something to to an individual, how could it be interpreted or misinterpreted, or what would be the outcome? And and working to really as best you can, you can't ever put yourself in, in someone else's shoes, but how close could you get to, to looking at that and saying, what would be, what would be something that would be similar that somebody would say to me and my identities? And, and again, culturally, the likelihood of that is, is lower and less that somebody would say that, uh, to somebody, um, you know, and, uh, because we're, we're again, it's so ingrained in who we are that we don't even realize it's happening. So to me, just being very conscious of if you're gonna say something and try to be positive, uh, you know, why are you saying it to this person, but yet you wouldn't necessarily say it to another person. Right, and maybe focus more on the content of what was said. So your presentation was very motivating, or this conversation was very very stimulated. I, stimulating. I like what you said about this topic instead of just yeah just just praise the person for for the work they did uh instead of commenting so deeply and directly as to their articulation or again kind of a comparison of, of good versus bad uh in it okay so another one that's that's similar is so it, what we've talked about so far is kind of black and white because you know if you haven't noticed craig and i are white sanja and don are black um but we all speak english uh, but sometimes we even are, you know, with race and ethnicity, we may say, oh, she speaks English very well. And it's kind of related to that articulation, but, you know, that impact insinuates that the racial or ethnic minorities are outsiders who can't speak English and don't really belong here. Um, and, you know, people of all, the, the, the research actually says people of all races and ethnicities can speak English well. And even those of us who are have always spoken English. Some of us speak it a little better than others. Um, you know, there's all kinds of, of um, accents and colloquialisms and, and not being able to say words correctly <laughs> sometimes that can affect um, all of us. So you guys have thoughts on that? Well, th this is Sanja and I get this one uh, I, I see this one a lot. Uh, she speak, speaks English well, but it's not so much directed at me, but you know, maybe individuals, uh, Hispanics or other um, other races. But I mean, I wanna just, I, sometimes my coworkers have to stop me and just say, okay, what did you say? Because I, I get caught up speaking Arkansas. <laughs> so I have to slow down. Okay, I'll let me. And um, even in my typing, sometimes I just wanted to interject that. But you know, I think uh, it's it's you know, like you say, everyone speaks English well, or they speak English enough, even if you know you have an accent with it. But I think we just have to be respectful and patient with people. You know, like everybody's not from Arkansas; they're not going to have that that southern twang. But just work, you know, be patient with me; it'll come out. You'll understand it. <laughs> Definitely. Don, do you want to add something? Yes, and there's another layer uh, of this that I, I want to highlight, and that's when talking to children. Mm. Um, I've, I've seen and heard people say something to the effect of one or both of these to children. And so I would just encourage people to, and, and 
children, they can also be affected in a negative way um, because they have the, that same type of, wait, why, why wouldn't I speak English well? Or why, why wouldn't I be articulate? And so I would encourage people to think about what they are complimenting and try to, do a, try to do a better job of being specific in their compliment. Like if a younger child is, is articulate, you say, instead of saying articulate, why do you think she's so articulate? Is it because she expresses herself so well for a, a younger child? Which would be impressive if you see a, a young child come up and can clearly express their feelings and their thoughts, then it's like, well, you're so mature for such a young person. And that, that can be received so much better than, you're so articulate. It's like, well, you know, yeah, of course she's articulate, you know, or yeah, she speaks English well. well. So I would say, especially when it comes to children, because children are very sensitive and they pick up on those things um, very easily. And I would hate for a child to be um, bruised, you know, their spirit bruised or, or their self-esteem injured um, because of a compliment that, that, it was supposed to be a compliment, but it was received not so complimentary. Right. One of the things that I've learned or that I think of when I hear someone with a with an accent, um, you know, particularly what we would consider a foreign accent, is they know a language that I don't know. And I have such admiration for people who have been able to learn another language. So that's one of those... Uh, those things that I can't, I, you know, so whether it's language or always also try, you know, speaking in terms of uh, relating to other people, I always try to remember that everybody I meet knows something that I don't know, whatever it is. They've had different experiences and there is something that I can learn from them. Hey, Amy, I want to share too, just building a little bit and adding on to what Dawn said, that there's also the, the piece in terms of what our children pick up. Mm -hmm and uh, from our own behaviors that we may not realize and how fast they do. I was watching, you talk about the ultimate white show. There was a show called Growing Pains when I was in high school that we watched and it was about a, a white kind of upper middle class family. Uh, but there was an episode on just this week uh, on an older a channel that shows old shows and they had a child that had picked up a bad word that they were, you know, that was two years old and was just saying it. And, and it was funny throughout the show, but, but the notion of how quickly a, a child could pick up these behaviors of, again, of, of treating someone as lesser uh, or, uh, you know, when there's difference, uh, you know, when did we start noticing that uh, or, or acting as if being someone that is not in our own identities is lesser uh, probably starts at a very early age. And so how do we do better by increasing that sensitivity in our households and, and what our children are picking up? Or when, when you're starting to see that they're picking up that noticing the differences of uh, them and their fellow uh, children uh, in school, uh, how early can we start having those conversations and, and moving them forward to widen their lens, possibly even wider than, than ours certainly was when we were young, but even where we might be today because they're our future. Yes, yep. So there, there's a couple of others um, that we could talk about, but I think this is, we've got about 10 minutes or so left and this is a good time to talk about um, you know, what, what can we do? What can we do differently? And um, Don, you mentioned a little bit about children and Craig, you've just mentioned about children and um, the future and, and what we provide in the future. And so, um, you know, thinking about not, not just the future, but now, what can we do now and how can we make a better future? So some of the things that we can do if we want to flip the script 
on how we um, communicate and interact with each other. The first thing is pay attention. So um, let's just kind of, we'll do a little bit of a round robin and Craig, I see you on the screen. So talk about what, it, what does pay attention mean to you? To me, pay attention is increasing my own sensitivity. And, and again, I'm, I'm gonna keep doing things until I know better. Uh, and, and how do I know better? Well, it's, it's spending that quality time at any given moment of, of realizing and, and thinking through how could I do better in my relationships with folks and, and especially with uh, spending some time looking at my past in terms of uh, my own identities and, and again, the way I was brought up and, and how do I, I don't wanna say break the cycle, but again, just how am I pausing and just being a lot more aware and creating some new habits uh, and, and again, breaking the notion of, of how quickly I can jump to stereotypes because they have been the things that have been most often reinforced in media or in my life experiences, and, and they're not always true. And, and in today's time, because we've moved to a lot more folks that are biracial, multiracial uh, in, in our relationships and, and, and who we are in our identities, uh, recognizing that those stereotypes are probably going to be increasingly false uh, and they can't be, you cannot jump to those and say, this is my truth, uh, as our population in Texas and in the United States uh, has become much more of a true mix of, of identities and, and who we are. So that I would encourage the biggest thing, stop, figure out how I can be more sensitive and more aware and then act on uh, those notions and, and spend the time reflecting. How about you, Don? What does pay attention mean to you? Um, I, I think to me, pay attention is is a, a indication of of being aware of yourself, your where where you are, um, understanding that if you are sent, when when things of race and racism comes up, understand it's an uncomfortable conversation, it's an uncomfortable situation. But if there's any way you can be somewhat comfortable with the discomfort and push through and understand uh, if, if you are sincerely trying to uh, have a conversation or communicate, then paying attention means that you're listening. And in addition to paying attention to yourself, you're listening to what the other person has to say. And although it might not come out well all the time, understanding that the other person has experiences that you could benefit from and the discomfort of being in the situation can help you to grow. So I guess in summary, understanding that there are being, being in a situation talking about race and racism is very uncomfortable, but it doesn't have to be a horrible situation. And if you're receptive and open to hearing what the other person has to say and listening, then you both can grow and create the authentic conversations and relationships that are needed. And so, you know, I would I would love to say, hopefully it won't be so uncomfortable next time, but I'm almost sure it will be very uncomfortable next time. So that's why I have to say, you know, there's there's definite discomfort, but when we understand that there's growth in the discomfort, if you're open and receptive to hearing, then it's not bad. Kind of like the rain, you know, there's something, I've been doing some gardening since COVID, and as much as I've watered the plants, you know, it's nothing like a good rain that just makes the plants stand up and grow and blossom and do so, do so well. So, you know. It's it's about leaning into the discomfort but not letting not stopping. Right. But going yeah. So, Sanja, share with us your thoughts on paying attention. I would go with Don with paying attention to people's, um, their feelings. And if you just look in my family, personally, if I just look at my family 
and um, how it looked 30 years ago, 40 years ago, as opposed to how it looks now. And even my coworkers, you know, the people who I work with here in the office, it, they, the office, uh, it doesn't look like it did maybe five, 10 years ago. So I want people here to feel like they belong, that we're a part of a team. I always try to strive for the team concept. And I, I don't want individuals to feel like they don't belong here because of their race. So I just think paying attention to, you know, the words that are spoken, um, our, our reactions, our um, nonverbal, our nonverbal that plays a big part. So I just want people, you know, just pay attention to how, how we react and just making sure that people feel like they belong. Right. And so when talking about paying attention, you know, a question you can ask yourself, are your words authentic? Are they thoughtful? Are they carefully chosen? Yet at the same time, not so stilted that they stifle the open uh, conversation. You know, if you're being so careful and so worried about, you know, might offend somebody, but being open to, I'm, you know, not, not just, I'm, I'm sorry I offended you, but, but let me, let me learn from this so that I don't do it again so that we have healthier relationships going into the future. And Amy, you want to ask questions when you don't understand, mm -hmm. ask questions. How did, you know, are you, were you offended by the statement I made or, you know, did I make you feel a certain way? And don't be afraid to ask questions. Like Don said, you have to have, it's going to hurt, but you grow from the hurt and you, it's just having open conversations and not being able to ask a person, you know, sometimes we offend people and we don't even know it. We go on with our lives and here they, they tell the grudge when we could have just had a, a, a conversation about it. Right. Which kind of leads to the uh, one of the so there's three different things that on this flip the script things. Pay attention. The second one is learn from others. So if you're paying attention, you're going to see those learning opportunities as they as they come up. So, Don, let's go back to you and tell, talk a little bit about um how you feel about learning from others or what you can do, how you can learn from others? Uh, you know, I think it's important to learn from others. We, we have such varied experiences and histories um, that, you know, just Sonia and I are both black, but that doesn't mean that we've had the same experiences. And so it, it is important to have the conversations and it is important to, to be able to learn from others. But the key to learning from others is to be able to listen and to be able to listen and know that the, the person is more than likely not attacking you, but their vantage point is more personal. Because what I've noticed in these type of situations is when a black person or a person of color talks about an experience that they've had or something negative that's happened, they're having an, they're sharing a personal experience. But when a white person or a non-person of color is listening, they're listening with an ear of, uh, they're listening with a personal ear. And the conversation is not being directed in a way that's saying you did this to me in some cases. Now, if it's a, a situation that happened and that's different, but just in sharing experiences and past uh, situations, there's a certain vantage point that two people can have that can completely throw off the conversation. Because if I'm talking to you about racist situations that have happened, I'm not blaming you. I'm, I am passionate about the situation. And so I want you to be able to hear me to understand and you can learn from me in that situation. And so it's important to not be so sensitive and take it personal that I'm, I'm saying that you did this to me or that you were a slave owner and this is all your fault. 
but just the standpoint that, you know, this is real, this happens. And, you know, if nothing else, acknowledge my feelings about the situation and, and not take it so personal. So it's important to listen and, and listen without taking things so personal. And if by chance you did offend somebody, then it's important to understand how and why you offended them so you won't do it again because we're human. I mean, you know, we don't live this life without making mistakes. And so mistakes are a part of life. We make a mistake. The best thing you can do is apologize for it and then not do it again. Right. So it's a, it's a give and take situation. Yeah. And so Craig, I know you've been in lots of situations to uh, learn from others. Can you share a little bit about how, what that means to you? Yeah, and, and learn from my own mistakes as well. Um, and I think to me, the biggest thing is, um, you know, especially you think about a, a presidential election year uh, and, and the notion of where um, a number of our celebrities have stepped up for the sake of message uh, and uh, that it's not a dishonor to our country to also recognize that a number of pieces of our history uh, have been negative and how folks have been treated uh, that are non-white uh, through our history. And, and so to, to say that something has happened 100 years ago, this is one example of things that keep coming in my mind in terms of more recent experiences in 2020, uh, that just because it hasn't been my experience doesn't mean that it's not real or that it's not occurring today. Uh, and, and so often, I think for me, the biggest thing isn't to pay attention, uh, is obviously to care about individuals, which I think was mentioned and is fantastic. Uh, the second thing is to, uh, to also figure out, hey, you know, where am I in this mix of stepping up and, and having voice in this, uh, even if it's not something that I've witnessed myself? Yeah. Uh, and, and so paying attention also means to be paying attention to history, paying attention to legacy, but also paying attention to what, like Don said, what somebody's trying to say uh, and clearly sharing it with you. And in that moment, get it in that moment. Don't lose it in that moment and then figure out what can I do from here after hearing this from somebody that's in my life. Right. And so paying attention and learn from others, I, an analogy that I think of. Um, so, you know, in this in this part of the country, right, we're worried about uh, hurricanes that ha happen often. And, you know, we think a hurricane's coming. We all brace for it. And maybe it doesn't hit us, but it hits Louisiana. So because it doesn't hit us, does that mean that their experience was not real, that it didn't hit them, that it wasn't um, a reality for them? So if I'm not paying attention and I'm not trying to learn from someone else's experience, it's easy for me to just think, oh, I, I haven't seen it, so it doesn't, it doesn't exist. It's not real because I haven't experienced it. But there's so you know, everybody has a unique experience, um, which kind of leads us to the next one, too, about be accountable and be accountable, um, you know, asking, can I count on your help to give me honest and constructive feedback, which th that could be kind of a difficult thing to to ask, right? So, um, you know, Craig, I still see you on the screen and, um, you know, it can make us vulnerable to ask others about what, um, you know, or, or, or Don, I mean, how, give me constructive feedback. Um, do I use my word? Do, are my words hurtful or offensive? Have I said something um, that's affected you, you know, and I'm, I'm talking to anybody that you have a conversation with. Um, so that's a, another one. So let's talk a little bit about the last one, the be accountable. Well, being accountable is, is so vital and important. But at the same time, if you, if you were not able to be authentic initially, then you're not going to be able to, to be 
in a space where you can uh, be asked, where you can be held accountable. Because if you're not hearing what I'm saying when I'm trying to share my story, then I'm certainly not going to make any efforts to try and hold you accountable. So I think this is, I love this, uh, this three-step process and understanding that, no, they, they're not necessarily in the right, they're not all, things are not always gonna happen in this exact order, but there is a process. And, and again, the discomfort around all of this, who wants to admit they're wrong, right? Who want, I mean, about anything, regardless of an uncomfortable situation, but who wants to just be in a space where they're, okay, tell me what I did wrong, that's not just that's not something that we really want to do in general. So especially in situations where it's an uncomfortable conversation like race and racism, it's important to understand that you have to be sensitive and you have to be vulnerable. You have to lean into the discomfort and understand that if you've built an authentic relationship with this person, that they will do their best to communicate with you. But when they do what you ask them to do in terms of holding you accountable, you have to receive it. You have to listen and then you have to take it in and, you know, being defensive or, or argumentative, you know, that, that doesn't help. And typically people will not want to help hold you accountable if you're not going to be receptive to their comments. Yes. And so, you have to have trust. You have to have that trust factor there. Most definitely. And, Don, you know, what? Uh, sorry, go ahead, Greg. I'm sorry. Don had shared that the the one word that I think is is really really big and that's vulnerability and and that you know being as vulnerable as you can uh, when you've messed up or uh, when you've hurt somebody uh, and you know you're wounded but the other person was wounded first uh, and so really being open to uh, the vulnerability piece and for the sake of learning and for the sake of doing better uh, and recognizing that probably the biggest reality is we're dealing with people. And we're going to make mistakes. We're going to constantly make mistakes and have errors. But again, how do you step from and past and beyond that with your next actions and your next thoughts after that mistake has has occurred? And you know what? You guys trusted me not to make any mistakes. And I've, I've been trying to watch the time. And I've just realized that, you know, we've been... We've been talking for a good 50 minutes now, and um, we've had some really great conversation. Will you guys come do, will you be on Zoom again and do another another show? Because I think that there's a lot Absolutely. more that we can talk yeah. about. Sure. All right. You, you, you know us, Amy. Of course we will. I know. I don't have to twist your arm. <laughs> but thank you so much for making the time uh, to be with us here today to talk about these uncomfortable conversations. And um, we will have we'll have you guys back and we'll do some more uncomfortable conversations on, on different topics. Because, uh, again, there's so much that we can learn from each other. And, and hopefully we've provided um, a little bit of insight for the people who are watching the show today to, to learn a little bit more about how to flip the script. So we're going to close it up because, you know, I could go on forever. I could ramble, but I uh, am going to get in trouble if I don't uh, cut it off pretty soon. All right. So you're listening to the Extension Hour 104.5, 106.1 worldwide on IRLoneStar.com on YouTube. Join us again. We'll see you soon. Bye. Today's show was recorded and broadcasted live on IRLoneStar.com, Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, and all rights and ownership are reserved to Lone Star Community Radio. For more information regarding this program and Lone Star Community Radio, visit us online at IRLoneStar.com. Lone Star Community Radio is Montgomery County's community radio station, serving the community with local programming on TV, radio, and online. 
If you enjoy today's program, please support us by sponsorship or starting your own show. Contact us today by phone or text at 936-666-1084 or email the station at lscrstudios at gmail.com.